0: Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. We're talking about faculty learning communities with Drs. Christina Cobb and S. Renee Jones, Assistant Professors of University Studies, Dr. Chan Story, Associate Professor of Health and Human Performance, Dr. Michelle Stevens, Professor of Educational Leadership, Dr. Michaela Chapel, Professor of Mathematics Education, all at MTSU and Dr. Jeremiah Asaka, Assistant Professor of Security Studies at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. We'll be right back to talk about faculty learning communities after this.
1: Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The university's Center for Health and Human Services has received an $816,000 grant from the USDA to support the proposed Stemsational Ag, the Virtual Farm Project. The grant comes from the USDA's Rapid Response to Novel Coronavirus and is appropriate for traditional school settings both in-person and distance instruction as well as for homeschooling. The students will learn about agriculture and topics related to STEM, which is an acronym for the disciplines of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. STEMsational Ag, the virtual farm, includes modules and audiovisual resources that are tailored to each grade level with projects and assignments tailored to specific age groups. And a student team of business majors at MTSU proved that their market analysis skills are comparable to those of Wall Street veterans, with stellar results in the most recently completed TVA Investment Challenge. After starting the year with a half-million-dollar stock portfolio to manage, MTSU's student team in the Jennings A. Jones College of Business finished with a 24.6 percent return, bringing the balance to the portfolio of more than $623,000. The student teams manage real funds for the public utility by designing long-term strategies, placing trades, and providing performance reports. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome, one and all. Thank
0: you for uh, enduring the logistic struggle of finding a time and a place where you can all be together virtually at the same time. What are the particulars of a faculty learning community? How do, How is it set up? Who decides the agenda? How often does a faculty learning community meet Uh, give us some insight into what it looks like, what it feels like. Uh, I guess I'll start with uh, Dr. Jones.
2: I think
3: that that's better answered by Michelle because Michelle was uh, critical in setting up the FLC.
0: Okay, Michelle.
4: Hello. Um, So our particular uh, faculty learning community was really designed to support Um, Black faculty and staff, um, but in particular with this faculty learning community, it was um, for staff members or faculty members, excuse me. And so it was, it was designed to support um, us in terms of cultivating uh, a sense of community. One of the things that we talk about um, is the feeling of isolation. Um, And so that's one of the biggest the, the, the biggest goals or the largest goal um, for creating the faculty learning community in this particular uh, situation was just to make sure that there was some support. Um, and so what we did is we met, uh, I think it was probably about once a month, um, sometimes twice, um, but really uh, it was just um, a way for us to uh, connect And um, we actually read a book that talked about some of the experiences that other Black faculty had at uh, predominantly white institutions, and we discussed it. We did a lot of check-ins in terms of, you know, what were some success stories that we all had, and we shared those, and we also Mm -hmm. talked about some um, difficult situation that we were navigating, um, and and was able to we were able to support one another um, with our own experiences, and then um, with some of the the resources that we we shared. And that's the whole point of a faculty learning community. I served as the um, president of the Association for Black Faculty and Staff. One of the things that I decided uh, during my presidency um, that lasted, it spanned about three years, was just giving um, us an opportunity to connect with each other academically and also making sure, you know, in terms of promotion and tenure and things like that. I was a co-leader, Dr. Chappelle, who was my senior and um, actually the most um, experienced and senior faculty member who signed up for it. It was a voluntary thing as well. She she brought a wealth of knowledge and information and experience. And so she served as the uh co chair. Were we were we called co chairs, Dr. Chappell?
3: yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: the coma shells. Um, that's what
4: we we're. Yes, about. the coma shells, and a lot of it was based on research that I I saw in terms of um, other FLCs that have been done on campus. There was uh, an academic study cited uh,
0: in your paper, as a matter of fact, about uh, FLCs. Could one of you address yourselves to the kind of academic research that was already existing about FLCs? Before you started uh, meeting yourselves, and what you learned from that, the existing research on the matter.
3: The research suggests that FLCs are a good way for faculty to engage in interactions that promote professional development. And I would say that we probably developed as professionals throughout that process of being in this FLC. It also um, is a way for faculty to explore to do some evaluations of what they're currently doing, to adopt new teaching strategies, right? And hopefully become better educators. So I think that we all started that process, especially the junior faculty in the the group. And I would say, uh, you know, Michelle mentioned support just a moment ago, and that was the big area uh, for me, or at least a big goal sort of personally for me in, making sure that the LLC supported, the, our junior faculty supported each other. And we did that in a variety of ways, like she said, by reading the book. We even um, got a chance to attend uh, other events that faculty were doing, whether it was presentations or uh, some talks or whatever on campus. So we all got a chance to, after, after you get to know each other a little bit, you know, you have to mm-hmm. meet kind of jail that, you know, get that bond uh, jailed, but we got a chance to uh, support each other in their endeavors uh, on campus. I know I remember when Michelle and I were sort of talking about, you know, let's, let's think about doing an article and then we sort of, you know, proposed it to the group and and, and not really knowing how all of it would pan out, because it's been a, a year or so, uh, over a year, right, <laughs> since, mm-hmm. since we started that process. Mm-hmm. But you just have to keep pressing through. I mean, we all know how it is to write articles and, you know, how it can take a long time. But we knew that that support was going to be a big piece of this and, and, and a big major undergirding for the, for the FLC. So that was important for me for, in particular.
0: Could you talk a little bit, Dr. Chappelle, about what tenured faculty bring to the FLC in terms of knowledge of not only uh, new and different ways of teaching, different methodologies, but also the tenure and promotion process? Since you've already been through it,
3: and what the structure of that whole method is like. Well, I think uh, to put it simply, uh, you just br- you bring the experience. You bring the experience. You bring the sharing. You bring the the sort of reality of the of that whole process to bear with others. And um, so of course, Dr. Story and Dr. Stevens. They were they were uh, and we had some we had two others actually originally in our group who were not a part of the article per se. You you bring the you bring the the reality that hey you one can do this one can get through this it is not you know i hate to say this cliche it's not rocket science but but at the same time you're bringing the fact that you're bringing an example that hey it has been done and it can be done again mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're bringing uh, experiences and this is how it worked in my situation uh i was a, i was a full professor. And even when I remember asking Michelle about joining, I said, well, I don't want to take up the space for someone else i I just you know I just really wanted to sort of pour out my experiences uh, in terms of um, mentoring uh, junior faculty." And uh, but at the same time, I didn't want to take up one of the so to speak eight spaces. But she said, "Oh no, no, no! We we could we could value by that." So I've always valued uh, sharing with junior faculty, even when I was a junior faculty myself, because we were always in a situation where we had to share and had to support each other. So I was excited about doing that and walking through some of the you know the different scenarios that you can walk through in different departments and how to handle some of that, how to handle colleagues who are predominantly uh, white colleagues or, or, or of another race or of another ethnicity, and how to walk through some of those situations. And you just bring that reality to the table. We'll take a break right here. We'll
0: be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the Record.
1: The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data, TARA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Tera, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
5: The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers' camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We have a lot of guests today talking about Black faculty learning communities with Drs. Christina Cobb and S. Renee Jones, Assistant Professors of University Studies, Dr. Chandra Story, an Associate Professor of Health and Human Performance, Dr. Michelle Stevens, Professor of Educational Leadership, Dr. Michaela Chappell, Professor of Mathematics Education, all MTSU professors, and Dr. Jeremiah Asaka, an Assistant Professor of Security Studies at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. Accreditation is so important to universities and diversity is important to accrediting agencies. So what role can a a faculty learning community play in helping to raise awareness of the need for uh, addressing diversity issues?
4: One of the things um, when you think about um, accreditation, you think about um, diversity initiatives, um, we're also thinking about retention. And so um, making sure that black faculty are supported and have the resources that they need, that will um, help to make sure that that retention um, is there, right? You're able to Um, not only hire Black faculty, but also able to help them to go in and be promoted um, in tenure and in rake. I started talking a little bit before the break about that safe feeling, Um, having an environment and an atmosphere where it feels safe and you're able to be um, authentic. um, That is important. And that's one of the things that The research talks about in our paper, we talk about um, faculty learning communities, at least in this specific um, instance, um, increasing the feeling of safety, increasing that security. That's one of the um, implications of of having, not only increasing awareness, but also putting the things in place and the resources in place that are needed to make sure that Black faculty um, are, are able to be retained.
6: We were able to thrive. And I think that's one of the key words within community and safety. We're able to thrive and continue contributing uh, to the university in meaningful ways, which we're already doing. Um, but the safety gives you an opportunity to, to really thrive. The interdisciplinary nature of our faculty learning community was amazing because we got a chance to hear how different disciplines also approach. Different topics and ways of knowing, and all of that contributes to thriving and retention.
0: Dr. Osaka, can you tell us about the aforementioned sense of isolation that some black faculty members feel and and what that's like, either from what you've experienced or what you've heard from other people?
2: One of the the things, like Michelle said, is isolation. That's one of the biggest problems we experience. And uh, it's very um, pronounced in uh, PWIs, so predominantly white institutions, because uh, in most cases, for example, where I am now, I'm more like the only one here. And actually I shared this with my, shared the article with my Dean and um, he really appreciated it. And one of the issues he mentioned was retention, which is a problem. And so, Isolation makes it very hard, uh, because of the nature of our workplaces, makes it very hard to thrive. And um, if somebody can get into a faculty learning community, uh, even if they are lonely in their uh, departments or whatever, having the ability to interact with others from other colleges uh, at least helps to ameliorate that uh, isolation issue. Yeah. So. But the isolation basically comes from um, being alone in a department or people, your colleagues um, engaging in things that in your own um, reality do not really, are not your kind of things. So, for example, you might find uh, like money International, people might be talking about uh, American football. I don't really know much about American football. I'd rather talk about soccer. And so that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of those kind of um, situations. Um, Yes, So it's a silent issue, but it's, um, it's a very serious one, which for me, I felt the FLC really helped with.
0: I I think people outside of uh, academia don't realize how much um, the word collegiality is spread around among uh, faculty members at colleges and universities. Uh, it's its considered essential. There's some, sort of written and unwritten codes of conduct that all faculty members have in their minds and in their hearts when they interact with uh, other members of the faculty, regardless of discipline. Uh, can what if you address yourselves to the, the whole concept of collegiality and how much that means in
3: faculty getting along with and cooperating with each other and helping each other? In the FLC, what was important to me was that I could go and I could be who I am. I could discuss something and not be dismissed, not, you know, not have what I was discussing dismissed like it might be in my department. And so when you're facing that kind of thing, maybe that's, maybe that's considered not being civil, right? When you're dis- being dismissive of something that I might be struggling with, right? But I didn't find that in the FLC. Everybody was heard, everybody was valued, and what we were experiencing was important. And so I think that that's important to be collegial, that you're not dismissive of what someone's experience. We'll take one more break here, and we'll return in just a moment. This
0: is MTSU on the Record.
1: The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
5: Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields, and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, Wise Advisor.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We're talking about faculty learning communities, particularly for black faculty, with several uh, professors who have written a paper about it, Dr. Christina Cobb, Dr. Renee Jones, Uh, Dr. Chandra Story, Dr. Michelle Stevens, Dr. Michaela Chappell, and from Sam Houston State University, Dr. Jeremiah Asaka. Do black female faculty members feel like they have two hurdles to overcome in communicating instead of just one?
7: Yes, um, I take that question. Absolutely, because especially being in the math background where you have um, a lot more males, um, white males, it's two hurdles that you have to cross over being um, one black and female and then young. On top of that, I was the youngest one in my department. And so I always felt like I had something to prove or that I always had to you know, be on top of my game. So it is actually a challenge to get over all of those hurdles
0: nobody's going to take this and and take it to uh, somebody in the upper echelon so that they can sabotage the other person's career or anything like that. This is a place where everybody gets it out there. And, you know, er everybody relates to the experiences that are being discussed.
4: Absolutely. And we helped each other navigate through Um, certain circumstances based on our experiences. Um, So I think the navigation part of that was important as well.
7: And the resources too. I remember one session we had where you guys gave us a lot of resources on how to get funding if we wanted to do traveling. So it was not just about the safe space, but also networking and getting those resources out there as well.
6: There are times, and it depends on circumstances, that as a faculty of color, if your research agenda is more social justice oriented, safe space and the collegiality that we had within our group, that we were encouraging each other and inspiring each other to continue on with our own research agenda.
0: Some of this is not surprising to a lot of people, but in another way, I think it is kind of surprising to some people who grew up thinking of colleges and universities as marketplaces of ideas. So to hear that somebody's idea might be just dismissed out of hand or brushed aside or or put down in a meeting, I think is something that maybe a lot of people aren't aware happens.
3: You come with your own research agendas. You, You have those, but then if you're in a setting where you are isolated, you are the only one who feels that this agenda is very important to your field, to your people, to your, you know, other faculty of color, to the field at large, but if you don't have others who who are attached to that agenda, it will seemingly sort of go by the wayside, or it's not, it's not seen as appreciative sometimes. I know in my setting, and just not at MTSU, but in my previous institutions, we went through this cycle where there are other things that I'm interested in, but I really would enjoy doing this However, because I don't have other faculty close by in that local community, local department community who are interested in that, okay, I can't write the grants on that because you you need more people to be interested in this idea to write the grants, or I've got to get interested in my second and third topic as opposed to my first topic of of the research agenda. And so often that happens over and over and over again when you're in these different PWI situations, you, you kind of get accustomed to it, but at the same time, when you have things like the, the FLCs, even when you have black organizations, black faculty organizations, where you can go and find others who might be interested, even if they're not in your department, who might be interested in that first topic on your list of agendas then it gives you a, a, a place to go and, and 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 say okay yeah i can get back to my first love if you will my first research love and you have to adjust you know <laughs> through this thing especially perhaps those of us in stem fields like dr cobb was saying you've got predominantly you know white males and you know they're just not going to be
4: interested in our same topics the more diverse the faculty is, the more, represent, the more representation, um, the more diverse ideas come in, right? And so those things become normalized, right? right? So what I'm interested in, you know, and maybe if I'm the only person that's interested in it, why can't I bring one of my colleagues in who, you know, m- may be a white male and say, hey, well, this is interesting. This is important for my field, for our field. Why don't you come in with it? once they gain the understanding and the awareness, it becomes important as well. So I think a lot of it, the dismissing and things like that, and I think that goes into even more institutionalized racism, um, implicit bias, all of the things that we see in society.
0: African-American students come to a predominantly white institution and they themselves feel isolated. and and alone and lost and sort of fumbling around throughout the university bureaucracy while they're trying to learn and concentrate on studies at the same time. And they want to know they have somebody in their corner.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we become the mentors. Go
7: ahead. Yeah, and I was gonna. I was just gonna say that's kind of goes into one of our key recommendations, which was to have a diversity officer. And I think with having that diversity officer, they can push for have an FLC, have a safe space for the black faculty and not only the black faculty, but the black students that feel isolated and, and get programs out there to help them to be able to retain those students and faculty members. What you value, you put your money into. Mm-hmm. And for the university,
3: uh, for MTSU to um, value this process enough, value the faculty learning communities enough to put their monies behind it and to back it, that says something. Do you think that the technology that all the faculty have had to become
0: intimately familiar with since the pandemic began is going to help the creation and the perpetuation of FLCs or make it tougher
7: since you're not face-to-face? I think it's it's fifty fifty for me. I think it it will allow us to still be able to meet virtually, but you know you kind of miss that face to face interaction you get with your colleagues when you can just kind of sit back in the same room and you know sometimes the conversation goes to a left and we laugh about things or we talk about our families and you know it just kind of feels a little different when you're virtual and you have to kind of keep it short let's keep it in the hour because we don't want anybody on the computer too long and you may have to get back to your families etc for me it's, it's about 50 50. the paper
0: is titled fostering a sense of community among black faculty through a faculty learning community our guests have been the authors of that paper. Drs. Christina Cobb and S. Renee Jones, Dr. Chandra Story, Dr. Michelle Stevens, Dr. Michaela Chappelle, and Dr. Jeremiah Asaka. Thank you all for being our guest
5: on MTSU on
0: the Rack. We'll be right back.
5: The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee State University
0: Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research and progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. Enthusiastic MTSU students have helped get their
0: Tennessee
5: Aerospace Professional Society off to a flying start. The group's mission is to further the career development of students and professionals in all aerospace
0: pathways through education, camaraderie, and outreach. Organization President Atley Henderson shares more.
2: We started TAPS because we wanted to have an organization that would promote all careers within aviation and the aerospace industry. Everything from pilots and dispatchers to air traffic controllers and even flight attendants. We wanted to make sure everyone had a place to call home. In terms of the industry, we also want to promote 21st century business skills that will ensure our members have an easier time pursuing a career after college.
0: That's MTSU On The Record. I'm Jenna Logue, thanks
1: for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program
4: are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.